I'm the person who has seen this show before. I'm a person who's never watched an anime. Hero Babble, we are Hero Babble. Hero Babble, we are Hero Babble. Hey, 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 and welcome to episode one of Hero Babble. Uh, my name is Michael. And I am Spencer. And hey, what do you think about those professional vocalists we hired for that intro? They rocked it. You know, I don't know if we'll ever get our money back, but they did kill it. Frankly, they can have every last cent. They earned it. <laughs> uh, so if you're tuning in, uh, welcome to our first ever episode. And uh, coincidentally, the first episode of our Neon Genesis Evangelion series. Uh, do we call it a watch through? Sort of like a walkthrough. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. that's a good way to put this. Yeah, okay. So our, our first series watch-through. Um, now, the whole premise here, I've already seen it. Spencer hasn't seen it. But I'm curious, have you heard about this show? Have you, like, what what's your, what's your background on it? It's a really good question. So I had heard of this show mostly because I've heard you talk about this show. <laughs> I knew enough that I had seen this on Netflix, like scrolling through. Um, so I knew that we could do this. Uh, the first question I had was, how do you properly pronounce the name? Is it Evangelion? Is it Evangelion? Is it is Neon Genesis something that all the cool people that watch this say, or do they just call it Evangelion? Or? Yeah. I mean, I, honestly, I, I think... The the anime fandom as a whole has just called it NGE, just kind of an abbreviated nice version. Tight. I personally am an Evangelion type of guy. I've heard Evangelion, you know, sure. sounds sounds a little funny, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's. I mean, guilty as charged. I know I have I've talked about this show probably more than you maybe wanted to hear, but truthfully, it's. One of those that I, I think I could probably get a pretty good agreement consensus that it's it's up there on a lot of people's all-time favorite lists. And considering it came out in uh, 95, I think it's more than stood the test of time. And I, I truly believe that the motifs it covers, the themes that are kind of interwoven into the overarching story, as well as the you know way characters interact and how they kind of go about their you know, arcs throughout the story have really set a really good foundation for other shows to either kind of base them or get inspiration from. So truthfully, I think it's a, a hallmark of, of anime as a whole. Um, but yeah, so I mean, right off the rip with, you know, like less than two sentences, thoughts on the first episode. Mm, I loved it. For my total background on anime is I really, I watched, I think one movie with you one time when I came over to your place and it was quite an experience uh that seemed like just a crazy action-packed everything at once thrown at you experience very like overwhelming um this was very well laid out i really liked it um i can give you my full rating at the end yeah that sounds Um, good but like my first impressions were impressed awesome when we were conceptualizing this show we sort of talked well maybe we should do like a popular one and all the lists i looked at like you said this was like number one or number two you should watch. Yeah. And one thing I thought was kind of interesting is you said you mentioned this being from the mid-90s. A lot of these shows that appear to be kind of the classics that people could turn to are from like that period. Yeah. Well, and it's it's cool too. So this 
series in particular, uh, while very much 90s, uh, kind of gives off that mecha aesthetic, which in the 80s, mecha anime were all the rage. I mean, I, I think the first Gundam aired in 1979, and from then on out, it was like, we cannot get enough mech. Put someone in a giant robot suit, and I just want to see him go to town. And while that era lasted strong through the 80s, it's not to say it died off or anything, but I think it became kind of interwoven with other genres that kind of rose to popularity. So when this show came out, I think a lot of people were looking at the general, you know, look and feel of it and going, oh, is it another mech? Hell yeah, you know, that sounds good. Only, you know, as we'll, we'll get into as we talk about uh, episode one, kind of is in the background a bit. I mean, yeah, there's a giant robot, but I mean, yeah, that, it's not the main focal point, I would say. I don't know. No, it's a really good setup episode. It takes you right to the point that you want to see what's going to happen next, and it says, catch us next time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I thought, um, I'm excited to get into it with you. Yeah. Uh, so for some background, I don't know if you know much about Evangelion, its production, or anything like that. Nothing. It's It's been lamented as kind of this series that a lot of people have strong opinions about. Um, mainly about how the series concluded. They also have very strong feelings about, or feelings about how things take place throughout the show. We'll get into that as we watch these episodes, but uh, it was created by uh, Hideaki Anno, and it came off of the heels of his studio, Studio Gainax, uh, creating a movie in 1992, I believe it was called Royal Space Force. Uh, around this time, uh, Studio Ghibli, are you familiar with mm -hmm. any of their... So they had just released this huge blockbuster success called Nausicaa Valley of the Wind. And it was kind of at that point the anime industry was like, we want to make movies because they make a lot of money. People, there's an audience for it. Let's do it. However, you had all of these movies come out and they kind of flopped. Kind of the duality of it being Studio Ghibli had a really recognizable art style. They had already kind of established themselves. And then you have these other studios really trying to cut a piece of the pie for themselves. And it's not to say the movies were bad. It just kind of didn't grab people the same way like Studio Ghibli did. And so this series was created. Uh, I forget the name of the Japanese TV station in particular. But to my knowledge, they just needed to fill a time slot. So they approached Studio Gainax, and they were like, make us something. And that's how Evangelion was born. Uh, and around this point, the creator, Hideaki Anno, was battling depression pretty hard. And this show is kind of almost, in a sense, his processing of that depression. That may be a little bit projectionary on views or how you take in the show. But I think it's important to know for you and those who are listening at home that this is very much kind of a work of passion, both emotionally and professionally. Mm -hmm. And um, historically, a lot of the episodes are known to have uh, basically run right up to the deadline because Anno didn't know how to end a series until it was like down to the wire. Uh, so pretty much a lot of the production team would say that they would have storyboards all ready to go. And in some cases, they would change entire episodes or they would completely shift how one ended. And so it's kind of a miracle this show 
made it in general because nowadays I don't know if that same style could fly. But that's just a little bit of background on kind of the production and the, the mind of the creator that basically made one of the greatest, you know, critically acclaimed series out there. Mm-hmm. But it's rooted in a very real, grounded space. So. Right. Mm. You mentioned this being fairly popular at the time. Maybe the previous movie uh, that the studio made didn't really work out that well. But my question is, you know, over the last 10 years, I think we've seen anime become more in the zeitgeist of the, you know, at least in the United States and I think probably in Western Europe too. Mm -hmm. At this time when this was coming out, was this kind of a real niche thing in the United States? Oh yeah. I I mean, I I think around the the early 90s was when the U.S. kind of knew of anime uh, because I think Dragon Ball Z came out I'm I'm probably going to be off here a little bit, but I believe it was either late 80s, early 90s, and that kind of had a cultural explosion where for a lot of people, they were just finding out about anime. And I mean, prior to that, home video sales were kind of non-existent. The mm. only way you could really access home or like physical media was if companies imported it, which was kind of rare. And I mean, that's why Funimation, they're kind of one of the... Uh, grandfathers of that home video resale business because uh, prior to that no one really owned or cornered that market at all just because it wasn't viewed as profitable um, but I mean I, I would probably need to look into it more and that can be a discussion for the next episode but I think when Neon Genesis Evangelion came out um, it definitely I think has the acclaim it does because it reached a somewhat wider audience than I think it would have initially. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a whole, I would say that in terms of reception and, and being seen by as many viewers as possible, maybe not, but I think it was seen by enough that mm-hmm. it kind of you know, held its, yeah. its grip and thus kept spreading. Certainly for the time, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Well, because this, I mean, I mentioned the, the Golden Age of Mecha anime, if you want to talk about a, a series that subverts that, I mean, I, we're we're kind of watching the penultimate one here um, in a lot of ways, but I think in episode one, which we can totally hop into, uh, right off the rip, there are a few key things that probably through my lens I caught that are very different from uh, protagonists in traditional mecha shows or things like that. But yeah, so that's just a little bit of background on... Evangelion. How about we just hop into the episode, yeah. huh? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so give me your snapshot impressions. What were some of the early scenes that stuck out to you? Well, I think we can't even talk about the first scenes without talking about the intro. Oh, yeah. Um, I was immediately blown away. The music was beautiful. It was very well done. The fast pace of the images it was showing you, it was like some sort of subliminal message. Like, randomly, it was like <laughs> these cool visuals, but then you'd see, like, Tokyo 3, or, you know, Eva, yeah. or, like, random things. Nerve. I'm like, okay, I need to remember those things. And then, you know, they then they came up in the episode, and I was like, uh, I think it's in, uh, it might be this episode or, or the next one where they talk about Tokyo 3. And yeah. I'm like, I saw that in the intro. So I was just blown away. I mean, it was fast-paced, it was smooth, it was exciting. Yeah. And the music was, you know... I expected, based on the tone of the thumbnails I had seen, the music to be more kind of like a somber <laughs> yeah. tune, 
And it was very, like, kind of jazzy and, and hopping, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, really, really playful, I think, is is what I take away from it. And, I mean, to this day, I'll throw it on just to listen, because I think it's that good of a song. But when paired with the imagery of, you know, the cast and these words that you don't really know the meaning, like, angels, nerve, you know, and then you see these cuts of, you know... Shinji's dad just brooding mm-hmm. over a, a conference table or something. Right. But it's, it is now and was then and forever will be a, a banger. I'll, I'll, certi- I'll yeah. certify that right now. I'll put my name on it. But yeah, one of the things that first caught my eye was I think the very first thing it says is uh, like 2015 yeah. or something. And so I'm assuming that's when this show takes place. At this rate, I would have thought it was 2020. Frankly, they could just change that. And I think <laughs> I don't think they'd be far off, man. No, I, well, that's one thing I want to talk about is this idea that this show was made in, or yeah, it was made in 1995, right? Mm-hmm. And but the show is based in 2015, so you've got like that 20 year sort of yeah, 20 years in the future. This is what's happening, <laughs> and like you know, for us right now. Even looking at the animation here, like if something like this came out now and was set for 2040, it would still be relevant and it would still make sense. It, yeah. Like it's not too crazy. I think that's, and, and it's definitely to the benefit of Evangelion, but I think that as a whole, 90s anime just holds up so well. Mm-hmm. You, could, you could go back and watch pretty much any show from that era, and I think you would be hard-pressed to really find yourself going... Oh, it looks bad. It it has like a timeless style to it where, mm-hmm. sure, it may look, I think, old by today's standards, but it doesn't look unwatchable old. Yeah, well, I mean, when you look at just animation in general, um, other than like maybe some of the top hit Disney flicks or whatever, yeah. you look at animation in the 80s or early 80s compared to the 90s where you start getting some really big movies that still hold up today. Yeah. Like, the animation style was being pushed so hard at that time period that we were blessed with a lot of really good, you know, TV shows, you know, especially a lot of those, like, WB kids ones, like, you know, Batman Animated Series. And Absolutely. Those kind of things were really pushing animation at that time, where I, I honestly don't know if we're still seeing that same effort put in today. Yeah, I, I think that, and, and this is just my opinion, but by modern anime standards, I think that, The bar is constantly being raised, and I mean, it's one of those things where you watch a show from the 90s, and you see a really cool moment, and you're like, holy shit, that looks great. Mm -hmm. And then, nowadays, you watch, like, weekly series that air on Crunchyroll, or one of the various streaming sites. Yeah, I do, but, you know, there's... In those series, you're kind of looking for a really cool moment, Uh and I think a lot of the time, there are these just hyper-stylized over-the-top, just modern marvels of animation that take place. And those are the moments that people are, you know, left talking about. But if you want... I, and that's not to say they aren't consistent, but I feel like when I watch a 90s show, every episode has such a good medium level of quality yeah. that it, you know, it, it very much holds up. So kind of like you said, you know, despite coming out in 1995, it still very much is prevalent today and if they released it tomorrow as a full series i would i would be hard pressed to think of anyone that would go eh, 
looks bad. No, especially for like hand-drawn animation. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think you know. It, yeah, well, let's let's get into more of the episode because I want to talk about a lot of different things here. Yeah, sounds good. Um, so the show kind of opens with this incredibly interesting creature yeah. swimming through the ocean. I an, guess I, an angel. Right. So, right. So, <laughs> immediately I'm like, okay, so this is an alien. Yeah. Right, because it doesn't look like anything human. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I lived in 2015, and I didn't see anything <laughs> like that. So I was immediately drawn to this. I'm a big sci-fi person, so I was like, okay, we've got these badass aliens. Yeah, um, that look goofy, but just... I don't think it was even goofy. I mean, it honestly was a little bit unnerving. Yeah, like m- maybe not goofy, and but so abstract that it doesn't conform to any... You know, when you think of a giant alien monster, you don't you don't think of what that first angel looks like, where it's the mm-hmm. the long beak, yeah. the kind of just lanky arms. Right. Yeah, kind of just uh, proportionally is weird, but also extremely vicious. Yes. But yeah, I agree. That first kind of opening shot where you see it, and then it cuts to I think it cuts to Shinji on that payphone. Yeah. And he's like, "Oh, what a drag." <laughs> Yeah. I mean, like, well, I, he's, I think, trying to get a hold of Masato, right? Well, they're doing this whole thing where this broadcast comes over and it's saying, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, not like, kind of like a quarantine. It's like evacuation, oh, yeah. get to your evacuation Yeah, spot. get to your bunkers. There's like a siren going off. And meanwhile, he's just on a phone yeah. out in the middle of the city. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he notices this thing basically coming at him. And kind of my first time stop I put here, uh, there's a point where I think it's... Shinji's dad, what is his name? Ooh. He is like the, it's my first impression of him with those sunglasses. Okay. They're just his glasses, and it's showing you kind of the screen in front of him. It made me feel like, okay, well, he's the bad guy. Yeah. These guys are the bad guys, right? You see all these tanks lined up. They're shooting (laughs) everything they can at this alien monster. Yeah. And what he says is, it's an angel, right? Yeah. And my first thought was, oh, my God. Like, we are... They're calling this an angel, which obviously seems somewhat religious. Like, are these gods to these people? Are these... And I'm not asking you. These are just my initial thoughts. Like, did they create these? Did they try to draw these out? Mm -hmm. Are these aliens? Are they gods? Like, you know, what are they? Yeah. Because for them to call them angels elicits, you know, that these are, you know, saviors, right? They're looking out for somebody. Yeah. And so that immediately got my attention and I was hooked. Yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting play on, usually when you think of angels, you think of holy, you know, mm-hmm. kind of a godly, light, good, that that kind of thing. And then you just watch it swat a, a helicopter out of the sky and just grab a missile at point blank and crush it. And you're like, oh. Which, that was so awesome. When the missile was shot at him and he grabs it in his hand and it like peels the missile very nice yeah just well in a a very good kind of awestruck moment of just kind of showing oh shit this yeah this thing means business so the next really interesting thing i think that happens is this car pulls up amidst the absolute carnage yes and this super stylish chick with these sunglasses that are just 
only possible in animation. Oh yeah, she's Misato has the style and the legs for days, <laughs> and she's just like, "Get in, we're going shopping." Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's it's so cool to basically kind of break that idea of you know a lot of the times in a in a show that's like post-apocalyptic or something like that. There's there's a fear that's somewhat kind of just hanging in the air, but to just nonchalantly hit a, a Tokyo drift and say, hey, get in. Tokyo 3 drift. Yeah, to- there it is. And then I'm going to take you to your dad or whatever. Yeah. And then just take off amidst missiles and a devil and, or an angel, sorry. I mean, I guess it's a bad boy angel, which would be a devil. But either way, it's one of those things where it's such a sharp contrast to everything else going on, it kind of just feels nonsensical. Yeah. Which provides, I guess, maybe a little bit of normalcy. Like, this is this is their normal. This is to, you know, Misato. Yeah, it's just kind of a walk in the park, I guess. You know? Well, okay, and that's, that was my next point. So, yeah. it kind of cuts to all these big weeks, kind of having a conversation yes. really casually. Like, it's absolute carnage, world-ending monster outside, and they're just like, ah, nothing's working. But they're kind of talking like, Ah, uh, yeah, you know, these kind of weapons never work on these angels. You know, we need to do this. Yeah. And, and it kind of told me, like, oh, this isn't the first rodeo. Yeah. This isn't the first time that they fought this. This is something that they are used to. Yep. Right? Everybody in the town is used to the evacuation. Everybody's used to this carnage. Yeah. And so I was immediately wondering, like, oh, God, this has been happening many times. Yeah. Well, and it's it's interesting you say that because I, I love when it cuts to that scene. Uh, and... It's uh, Shinji's dad is Gendo. That's his name, Gendo Ikari. But the the kind of menacing look he has on his face, where his glasses kind of have that that sheen to them. Uh huh. Very cool. Kind of as he's just watching all of these people exhaust their options, kind of just waiting for them to say like, "Okay, your turn." Yeah. Uh, and that's that's played upon, I think, in the following scenes where, as Masato and Shinji are driving away. They're kind of like, all right, send in the big guns. And that's when Masato goes, it's an AT mine. Get down. And then you just yeah. watch this mushroom cloud just kind of show up. And then their car flips. Yeah. I, like, holy crud. And then I think the military dudes are like, oh, we got him. They're like, we did it. Yeah. Yes. Take that, Gendo. And then <laughs> the smoke clears. But even, uh, even Shinji's dad is not... He doesn't seem impressed. Even once the mind goes off, he's sort of this like... Uh, well, they start talking about, well, it's healing itself, obviously. Yeah. Like, we knew this was not going to work, you know? Yeah. So it sort of leads me to believe that they, his team, the dad's team, they know a lot more than the military knows. Yeah. There's sort of this... The military is top secret, but then there's the top, top secret. Yeah, well... They know more about these. And the guy that stands next to Gendo says something like, looks mm-hmm. like an AT field. Yes. And, and Gendo kind of goes, yep. But then I, I just am kind of wondering, does nobody else know about that then? Because my guess would be, you know, why, why wouldn't you share it? But it also kind of makes sense too, you know... If if Gendo and his and his crony are kind of feeling like they've got the upper hand, uh-huh. they'll let them flounder a bit and seem like they're doing something, only to just kind of capitalize on it. Which, uh oh, stinky. Exactly. Ends up, ends up exactly happening. 
So as soon as this weapon has gone off, this M2 mine or A2 mine or whatever it was, uh, that's kind of when all of a sudden now it's okay for like introductions to happen. Masato says, "Hi, I'm you know I'm Masato." Yeah, and he's like Shinju is still just in absolute shock. He's like, like oh, what's happening? Jesus. Yeah, at, well, because they she introduces herself introduces herself after they flip over her car that was just throttled a couple miles back because of a bomb that went off. So yeah. it's like, <laughs> hey. So they like duct tape it and start heading to headquarters. And I love I love how Masato makes a reference of, oh, I still have to pay this car off and now yeah. I'm gonna have to pay for repairs. <laughs> like thirty three months left which, on the car or something. Which just drives home that idea like this is normal. This isn't some weird new thing. And yeah. the fact that Masato's first thought is, oh, my car payment. <laughs> I know. When in reality Shinji's going. I just watched a city get leveled. That's, I know. That's nuts. I know. It's not like my life, my family, my yeah, you know, my everything, my possessions. It's just oh my gosh, more bumper damage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I will say though it it is a nice transition because like you said it's good for introductions, and then they they just transition into the kind of more. Uh, technical parts of the episode when they start taking that car train down to Nerve. Yes, so the introduction of Nerve, which is something that I saw in the opening titles. Yep, yep. Hey, good callback. I don't remember. I think it's an acronym. I just don't remember what it was. Uh, um, I don't think I... Ooh. It might not be an acronym. I don't know. I thought I saw it on the door with like uh, periods after the letters or something. But okay. That's where we pretty much run into Shinji's dad. Is it Shinji or Shinju? I don't know. I can't remember. Shinji. Shinji's. And yep. Shinji you start understanding that him and his dad haven't seen each other in a while. And there's something there. There's some sort of father-son issue where yeah, either he left some, him and didn't want him. or, or There's some know. definite baggage in, yeah. in a way that becomes immediately apparent. Because he's not like that thrilled to be going to see his dad. Yeah, and and he also doesn't really even know why he's been called, yeah. which kind of lends further into that idea of, yeah, they must not have a good relationship if Shinji's going to visit his dad and he doesn't know why. Yeah, she starts handing him dossiers, top secret, top secret. And, yeah. And he, he, she's like, do you know what your dad does for a living? And he's like, I don't know, some kid at, or somebody at school told me he saves the planet or something. Yeah. You know, and, uh, yeah. So, yeah, then they start taking that car elevator yep. that takes them into this just incredible, like, city beneath a city Yeah, that is just gorgeous. It's, like, sunset and beautiful, and I guess my question really is, do the people on the surface world even know that this other Tokyo exists underneath? I think so, because I think... Uh, That's just 2015 Japan? Yeah, well, and, and in the way that they they make reference to Tokyo 3, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that there's that whole underground infrastructure, I think that there's, there's definitely a knowledge that it's down there. Mm-hmm. And my guess is that's where those bunkers lead to. You know, when they're, you know, evacuate, evacuate, get to the bunker. Yes, they know that's actually a good call. Because, yeah, it looks like when they go... When they're going down, there's like an upside down city. Yeah. And then there's like a, 
you know, the, the city. right side up city. Yeah, the city beneath the city. <laughs> yeah, on the surface beneath the surface. Yeah. Um, so, you know, all these guys are kind of talking work talk mm-hmm. while they're going up this, like, uh, elevator. And you see this, like, giant hand in the water. Yep. And that was my first impression, like, oh, what? What the hell is happening here? Yeah. Like, that's where I first got the, maybe there's some sort of giant mech type situation involved. Um, and so that immediately got the mystery going of, well, why why is Shinji here? Yeah. Because they know why he's here. He has no idea why he's here. Well, and, and they don't really waste much time in, you know, letting you find out because it then cuts to, you know, all of those military bigwigs up in the, the room and... And it's kind of now, you know, Gendo's brooding has paid off because all of them go, oh, none of it worked. Yep. Go ahead. And he he's like, oh, yeah. And and then I think that's when he gets word that his son just arrived. And he goes, yeah. all right, my secret weapon's here. And then is that when they... Uh, is that when they intro Eva 1? Yes, so that happens in the same sequence so you get the dad reveal yeah you get the reveal that the guy that i think is the bad guy from my first impression is the dad of the our hero yeah and then you also get the giant mech reveal of eva one eva one yeah and so you get kind of the two big plot points introduced at the same time um the dad does not give a rat's ass about his son being there. Other, he's just like, okay, throw him, throw him to the wolves. Don't, yeah, he'll do what his purpose is. Getting like, the, getting the robot, cause the, um, the scientist shows up. Uh, I think is that, yeah, Ritsuko with the blonde hair. Yes. Yeah, she yes. shows up, and I think she's basically saying, you know, okay, prep Eva One for launch, and then that's when Shinji kind of snaps a little bit. Uh, cause then he starts demanding to know what his dad wants from him, why his dad called him there, um, kind of just is demanding a lot of answers, I mean, validly so, but really leans into this already, you know, uh, alluded to separation and frustration on Shinji's behalf Mm -hmm. towards his dad, you know, and so he's like, why'd you bring me here, what's the, you know... What's the purpose? Tell me. Like, why won't you answer me? I want to know. Uh, And ultimately, he kind of just gets to a point where he says, I'm not doing it. I'm not getting in the damn robot. Yeah. Um, And it is interesting. So there's there's a a pretty well-known meme that goes with this show. And it's, you know, Shinji getting the fucking robot. And for a while, I was like, yeah, what what the fuck, Shinji? Why would you not get in? But then I kind of realized, in every other anime, especially in kind of that mecha golden age I was talking about, the protagonist just kind of gets in and does their thing, and sure, some series like Gundam play on the idea of the main character being conflicted about getting into the mech, Mm -hmm. but Shinji is, is kind of approaching it, I feel like, how any rational human being would, where he's like... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why is this my responsibility all of a sudden? You know, why am I being asked to do all this when I don't even know what I'm doing? Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I always thought that was a... I, I mean, it's it's one of many subversions, but I feel like it's a step in the right direction towards sure. kind of showing 
this isn't going to be your regular mech romp. Right. Well, and I mean, the only reason he even gets in the mech, he sort of decided, I'm not doing it. And then they introduce this time crunch where they start hearing explosions up above. They're like, you know, first level shields are yeah. damaged and the building's shaking. And they're like, dude, you either do this or we're, we're, we're done for. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, so he hops in the machine. Uh, they start, uh, I put uh, kind of a note here that the guy inserts the entry plug. Uh, yeah. And they start filling this robot with this, like, liquid, mm-hmm. pretty much, that supposedly will align him and him with the AI of the robot or something like that? Yeah, well, the... So, wait, are you talking about once he's in the actual mech? Yeah. So, I will say, before that, one thing that I noted... So, when you first meet Masato, she's very plucky, you know, kind of playful. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, hey, don't worry about it. Oh, my car. But as soon as Shinji really starts pushing back, she turns around and go, like... She turns around and says... This is your responsibility. Do it. I know. She's in work mode. Yeah. And then Shinji's kind of going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Fuck you. I don't know you. I don't yeah. owe you anything. I just found out what yeah. the hell was happening here. And that's... and But then Gendo says, okay, well, we have to use uh, Ava Zero. And that's when they wheel out that girl, Ray. Yeah. Oh, on, yeah, that's right. On the, the stretcher. And she just looks like hell. She has been... <laughs> she's been through the ringer and a half. Uh, but that's when I think, I, I think some rubble from the, from the roof falls. It does. And instinctively Shinji goes to cover Ray and then Eva One's hand shoots up yeah. and blocks it, which is nutty. Cause then it's kind of like, Whoa. I know they're all like, Oh my God, the, it they moved. have a connection without even, yeah, yeah. it moved on its own. Mm-hmm. And then. Next thing you know, it like you said, it cuts to Shinji going into the robot. He's like, okay, I'll do it, especially if it means that this one-foot-in-the-grave-girl <laughs> doesn't have to do it. I know. She's, like, missing an eye. Yeah. Like, her broken arm. She's bleeding from her chest. Her uh-huh. arm is broken. <laughs> yeah, but I will say when he hops into the mech and they begin that initialization sequence, very, you know, very interesting. Because, like you said, they inject it with that fluid... He's holding his breath, and they're like, no, 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 don't worry about it. You know, Just inhale this. Just drown yourself. Yeah, yeah, your lungs have to fill with it. Then you're fine. Right. That is one of my questions is just like, how, you know, what's their game? Logistically, how does that work? Their idea is that he will drown himself in this liquid. So they... It will go into his bloodstream. Yeah. And that will basically combine this robot with him on a DNA level. My, my guess is, because they call the Ava like a synthetic thing, and so my guess and, and they mention uh, you know, oh they synced without even being in the cockpit and so that leads to belief that you know, they have to synergize and I, I think that liquid is kind of acting as a maybe a, a conduit between the two mm-hmm. but yeah so i think logistically that's just part of their process but i it becomes even more apparent i think that nobody else can do it uh you know otherwise you know if anyone else could why would they call shinji you know well exactly i i guess my question more so is when he gets out of that and now his lungs are filled with liquid and he needs to breathe oxygen again how do they purge his system of that 
That's a good question. I don't know. He's just a fish out of water at that point. Yeah. Huh. That's a that's a good point. Um, I noticed that uh, the date on the Eva one that he's on it says 2014 on it. So it's a new, it's a fairly new robot, which yeah. made me question if they only have one of these. If Zero looks like it got pretty bashed up. Yeah. Well, considering how the pilot looks, my guess would be yes. I would assume, yeah. If, if Shinji is the last hope for them, then yeah. they have nobody else. One thing I, I like, and, and we're getting towards the end of talking about this episode, but Shinji goes through this whole, you know, suit-up sequence, and to really drive home the idea that this is subverting traditional mech, it's awkward, it's clunky, you know, Shinji gets in, he has to swallow liquid into his lungs, he's mm-hmm. not really given a lot of explanation, and he's, I mean, you said fish out of water, how does he get the lungs out, but he's kind of a fish out of water in the suit, like the mech suit, because he doesn't really know what he's doing, Yeah. and, but then that, that clumsiness and awkwardness ends as he begins that elevator ride, and then this triumphant music kind of swells in. Mm-hmm. As he's, you know, moving up to the surface, and it's like, oh, okay. Hey, you know, maybe Shinji was a bit of a crybaby before, but now's the time. He's going to do it. He's going to do the thing. Because there's, like, some trumpets, and they're like, and he's, you know, kind of that classic anime soundtrack hype music. Yes. Playing as he's as he's getting ready to go take on the devil. Uh, and, I mean, the, the episode then kind of hits its cliffhanger moment. Because he pops up through the elevator in the ground, and then it's like Ava 1 versus the, the yes, devil. Yes, where he takes one step, yeah, falls flat on his face, he can't even walk, and he's already expected to defend humanity here. Yeah. And Just another day at, the, day at the office, right? There is a quote that happens in that sequence where it kind of cuts to Shinji's dad, and they're kind of like, you know, his buddy that's next to him, the super tall guy, is kind of like, well, you know, do you think he can do it? And Shinji's dad's like, well, you know, our future depends on uh, on him doing it, pretty much. And he, he says, our future depends on... Oh, man, can't even read my own hand. I think he says, creating the angels. Yeah. And so that immediately, I was like, wait, like... Did they create the angels? Did they call the angels? Who are the angels, right? So yeah. the mystery is still continuing, but now the plot has thickened. Mm-hmm. Because now it makes me believe this isn't just a random attack on humanity. Yeah. This is a, uh, you know, a human-created attack on humanity. Either we have caused this to come and ruin our day, mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever it might be, right? But that really thickened the plot on this moment. Um, and I think just to end out kind of this, how this episode ends, I mean, Shinji kind of gets his ass kicked from what we can see. I mean, he's not, and, and, and we'll get into it more, but he's, it's not looking good. And it, it's tough too, because like, for example, in the first Gundam series, the main character's name was Amuro and their, you know, space colony was being attacked by the, the Xeon forces and, so Amuro hops into a Gundam. You know, it was basically the the I think it's the United Defense Forces or I I forget the name in the Gundam universe, but he gets in and he's like, "What do I do? What do I do?" And it's clunky. He like he gets a leg to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he kind of haphazardly figures out how to fight. And in that episode, 
he defeats the two Zeons, but it starts out clunky. Right. So the way that this episode is ending, you know, it, it, it can kind of go two ways. And, you know, if you want to know which way it goes, you're going to have to tune in next time on Hero Babble Episode 2. But that's a little uh, little teaser. To get back to it, though, what would you rate this episode? Based on okay. first impression, everything we just discussed, kind of how things were laid out and structured, what would you give it? I really liked this episode. It was fantastic. I think that it builds mystery. Who are the angels? What is the deal with Shinji and his father? Yep. You know, who are kind of all these other characters combining to make this universe this sort of top secret world beneath the world that we know? Yeah. So there's a lot of really interesting sci-fi elements that draw me in that sort of seem, they're not what I expected. Yeah. When I think, you know, popular animes, I expect, you know, something very different this is a very in-depth show and so i'm really excited to see what comes next i think the music was good um the dub that i listened to uh, i thought that voice acting was great yeah everything was fairly convincing to clarify you're watching the netflix dub Mm -hmm. i'm watching the original dub that was released in the states uh and it's funny i popped over as he was finishing up episode two and I could already tell that some lines were different, because if you don't know, for the Netflix version, they did a redub and kind of a, a script rewrite, which is very interesting. But just for if you're watching at home, there are some differences, but it's not enough to say, watch this one over the other. Um, you know, some people might have stronger opinions on that than right. I, but anyways, to jump back to it. I would give this, out of 10 mechs, I would give this a 9 out of 10 mechs. Wow. That being said... I have no reference yeah. for, you know, we might have later episodes that are just genre-defining 10 out of 10 episodes. I have no idea. I thought about giving this, like, a 7, but I just thought that it was good enough. If I think it's a 9, I'm going with 9. That's fair, man. I What would you give it out of 10 minutes? I would give it... It's always tricky with first episodes because there's a lot that needs to happen. You know, you have to seamlessly introduce the viewer to the universe you're operating in. You have to give them a baseline of characters, their motivations, not not written out fully, but enough that gets them hooked. And I think this episode does that well across the board. For all of the reasons you listed, it it does. It really leaves you going, what happens next? And I think that's the the telltale sign of a good episode one. So I would also give it 9 mechs out of 10 mechs. See, that's interesting because you not only have seen this show, yeah. but you've seen all, you know, other... I don't know if there's other Evangelion shows. I thought I saw one other something. There's like five movies. And uh-huh. okay. There's, there's a lot of extended stuff, but the core series is, I think, 26 episodes. But not only this series, all of the anime that you've watched. Yeah. You, that, tells, that tells me that this first episode is a fairly high-tier episode oh, for you. absolutely. I, I think it it checks a lot of boxes, and a lot of the time, sometimes, you know, when a new anime comes out, the first episode's always really action-heavy, or they do a lot that's really flashy, and people sure. go, oh, wow. This one has flashy moments, but they're never really the true focal point. In the same way that Masato picks up Shinji at a payphone, while there's full-on... Mm-hmm. you know, anti-angel warfare going on in the background, it's enough that makes you go, 
what is happening? Yeah. But enough that keeps you anchored in kind of the reality of the characters the show wants you to focus on. And Exactly. That's a tough balancing act, but I think it does it really well. What I found surprising was in the small, tiny amount of anime I'd seen, it feels like the pace is so frantic that they're always... It's like they're trying really hard to do something crazy next. Yeah. And this show felt so easy for yeah. them to do. Like, they were doing cool shit, mm-hmm. but it just felt like, oh, they're just bread and butter. They're just killing it, and it's easy for them. Yeah. So I'm really excited uh, to watch the next episode to see where the show goes. One episode in, though, I our Hero Battle rating is a 9 out of 10. On, 9 out of 10. On a unified N-G-E. front. N-G-E. Wait, in... And yeah, N-G-E. Yeah, N-G-E. Hell yeah. Well, thank you so much for tuning in for episode one. Uh, we'll be back with episode two. And uh, until then, stay safe. Uh, wear a mask. I mean, we're in tough times right now. <laughs> we are. But uh, yeah, take it easy. And if you want to pick up the series, you can join in at any time. Yeah, if you guys want to watch along with us, you can definitely do that. And if you guys want to reach out to us, uh, you can find us at herobabble at gmail.com. That's H-I-R-O-B-A-B-B-L-E. You can find us at Hero Babble on Facebook, as well as our YouTube channel. And we're going to be uploading all of these podcasts uh, up to YouTube. We're going to try to get it up to Spotify and do everything we can to get this out to you guys. Please feel free to let us know uh, what you guys want to see in the future. Awesome. Until then, have a good one. Peace.